Sales Tuners, Episode 98, Kara Gilbert, Chief People Person at Turbonomic. And I thought, I'm here booking your sales orders and waitressing at night. I can outwork any of you. I just have to learn this stuff. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Sooners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Lou Holtz, who said winners embrace hard work. They love the discipline of it, the trade-off they're making to win. Losers, on the other hand, see it as punishment, and that's the difference. Joining me today is Kara Gilbert, Chief People Person at Turbonomic. Kara spent nearly 20 years in sales with experience building and leading high-performing teams in rapidly growing tech companies. Most recently, having led Rapid7 from $20 million in sales to more than $100 million and an IPO. Kara says she attributes her success as much to her experience as a youth soccer player, house cleaner, sleepaway camp counselor, and waitress as she does anything corporate. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 98. But now let's get to the conversation where Kara talks about how her dad used his sports coaching background to motivate her and her brother. So I'm motivated greatly by seeing people learn, grow, and change. I love working in high growth environments. I love getting people on a path to... Um, personal growth and success. And I re- I'm fascinated by technology. I can't believe what I've seen over the last 20 years. And I love staying close to customers and companies and partners doing interesting things and leveraging technology for their own growth. I love just that way to start the conversation of just growth as a general mindset. I, I like to stay personal when I first start out these conversations. I understand you were made to watch Lou Holtz coaching videos as a kid. <laughs> I've got to hear more about this. So it's so funny that you know that. My dad, Don, was a tri-sport athlete in high school. And he went on to play college football. Then he um, played in the CFL. And then he coached up in Canada um, at Ottawa U, a super successful college uh, football team. But once he had a family, he and my mom moved back to Buffalo, which is where I was raised and where I spent the majority of my childhood. So I was raised by a college football coach who wasn't necessarily coaching. So a lot of his energy and ideas got funneled into youth soccer, which is my brother and I were both big into soccer, and then our our dinner table and our family activities. And so I heard a lot about John Wooden and a lot about Lou Holtz. And so my dad would get these videos where Coach Holtz would sort of break down the elements of being a winner or being a strong player, a strong contributor. And we talk about attitude, commitment, drive, passion, training. And my dad would use those as a catalyst to talk with my brother and I about getting good grades and being committed to our sport and our friends and our family. And um, yeah, Lou Holtz did, did come up pretty often in my formative years. What age are we talking about here, Kara, when this is happening? <laughs> I was, 
gosh, my brother's four years older than me. So I was probably sort of between eight and a half and 12. Okay. So I, my little boy's four getting ready to turn five. So what I was thinking is that I'm already behind the curve that I got to start bringing these videos <laughs> home no. uh, for him. But, but I, I'm, I'm sure that made for some amazing dinnertime conversations. You know, it's funny. You don't know it at the time. Candidly, I thought, it, I, I thought, I knew, you know, not all my friends were having these conversations with their parents. I think at looking back on it, what I really benefited from was the fact that we were talking about attitude, commitment, having sort of a game, a game face, a game focus when I was that young, because it sort of started to become part of my nomenclature. Um, and in later years, what's funny is I did bring my dad in to do some leadership training, particularly with my team when I lived in Toronto, because he's not that far away. And it's so it's sort of like second nature, his lingo, and how he talks to everyone was sort of how he talked to his kids. And it's highly motivational. And it's really focused on on how you show up and who you are when you're playing or working or what have you. And I think it had a really positive influence on me and thinking about what it takes to be successful. I'm sure it did. And just the idea of being able to bridge that childhood into your professional career through your dad like that. I mean, that's just, that's fascinating. You mentioned attitude and, and you know the game face. And in this show, Kara, we talk all about the attitude, action, and ability that's led to your success. And I know you know you recently made the switch out of sales uh, and, and you have a pretty incredible run. Talk to me about Turbonomic and, and what do you spend your days doing these days? Yeah, so I did move out of sales, although I think it's deep in my blood and I partner very closely with the sales team here. So so we so Turbonomic, part of why I'm here is our technology is fascinating. We deliver workload automation for the hybrid cloud, which sounds like a lot. But when you think about it, companies are trying really hard to make a smart move into the cloud. And we look, we work with companies that have these huge infrastructures that are highly virtualized. And they have to look at sort of evolving from that into their next phase of um, infrastructure management. And we help them make smart decisions. And then automate the management of that platform. And so to me, the, the technology is a huge part of why I'm here and the leadership team that I get to work with every day. While I'm not in sales here, I'm playing an important role looking at the growth of our company through our people. So we are on a huge hiring ramp. We hired 250 people last year. And we will hire um, somewhere north of 150 this year. That's a lot for a company to absorb and a lot of people for us to activate successfully, learning our solution, learning our culture, keeping our culture real, making sure we're hiring in people who we know can be successful. And leading that with a sales mindset is really interesting because I'm not only responsible for the team that attracts talent. But we're then guiding people on their journey here at Turbonomic. And people join a high-growth company because they want to be challenged. They want to learn. A lot of times, they want to do something hard. So my primary responsibility is around helping us profile and attract the right people, guiding these people on their journey. So working with managers on their development, their communication, creating an environment of high potentials and high performance, and those people getting rewarded and recognized and really creating an environment where people can have an outstanding career experience, growing themselves, learning new skills, and, and helping us hit the high growth targets that we have as an organization. 
Well, that's what I've really enjoyed about uh, getting to learn about you and, and from you, Kara, is that investment that you're able to make in people and just acknowledging the fact that people do want that challenging work environment and then not only being able to deliver that to them, but put the right structure in place so that not only do they have it, but they have the uh, freedom, if you will, to be who they are as humans, because that's where all of this starts. It's interesting because in, and I've had the, the great fortune of I worked at a big company for 13 years and then made a very bold move to go to a small company. And then I worked with very small companies in venture capital for a little bit before joining um, Turbonomic. And so I've, I've seen people who have struggled going from big company to small company. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of environment. And, and the one thing that's really important in this strategy we have is knowing what will make people successful here and being able to have a really honest conversation with someone who might be an incredibly talented engineer, salesperson, marketer, what have you, but being able to articulate what it takes to be successful in this kind of environment, because it's certainly not for everyone. Carrie, you've been a sales rep, you've been a sales manager, you've been a VP of sales at multiple companies. Take me way back to the good old days. How did you actually even get started uh, in sales? So I got my foot in the door at Oracle because my brother was working there. I was a, a recent graduate with a degree in international um, education and communications, which I'm not really sure what that gets you these days. But at that point, <laughs> it was sort of like, join the foreign service, work for a nonprofit, you know, good luck. And I went to the Dominican Republic and did a, a fascinating service program. But I came back and thought, okay, now I need to earn some money and get on with my life and pay my rent. And so I worked at a very small telecom company. And my brother said, if you're going to get into high tech, why don't you go to a big company where you'll get some training? I was like, well, why are they going to hire me? I'm not qualified. And what I learned at that point was they would hire me based on what they see as my either leadership attributes or personal competencies in an interview. I didn't understand any of that at the time. And so I got into Oracle as a contract specialist, which essentially meant I booked the orders for the sales team. And that was fascinating because I got to know them all. And I thought, I'm here booking your sales orders and waitressing at night. I can outwork any of you. I just have to learn this stuff. And it really, um, it piqued my interest. And so I started talking with sales managers and the training team about kind of what it would take to find a path into sales. And I was able to, um, within about 18 months, I moved from Washington, D.C. out to San Francisco. And I got promoted via a marketing team into my first sales role. And I had the benefit of working for just an awesome VP who I'm still in touch with, who's still someone very important to me. And he had a philosophy of, of really investing in high potential people. And I stayed in that organization for more than four years and contributed everything I, I could because I felt so committed to performing well for people that had really taken a chance on me. What I heard you say there, and I want to make sure I get this right, you were waitressing while actually working at Oracle while getting your foot in the door. Is that accurate? I was. I would leave work at five, start my shift by six, and get home at about 10.30. I did that three nights a week for about a year and a couple months. But that's also to say that I'm better at working hard than I am at budgeting, or at least that was the case back then. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents felt strongly that you don't get money for helping around the house. You help around the house because you're part of the family. 
you want to earn money, you you really need to work. And so I started right very young, working um, weekends and after school. And then I went to university on a partial scholarship. So I had to maintain um, five courses every semester and an internship. And then I worked on top of that as well. So it was sort of just in my blood to be a hard worker and um, to earn my own way. And I think that that contributed in two ways to my success in sales. A, I I wasn't afraid of um, hard work and asking for help and figuring things out, given I had done a lot of different things during college or university. And I was sort of competitive, right? I I, I wanted to be the best and I, I wanted to really succeed. And I wasn't afraid to do what it took to get there. And so I think those two things um, helped me a ton. And my parents, I mean, it all stemmed from my dad and his coaching career and, you know, playing multiple sports and my mom taking on, um, at one point, my mom worked two jobs actually when I was in high school. So I had seen it and I thought it was normal. And so I think, you know, now we're both parents, right? When you look at your behavior and what translates to your kids, it's what we see, what we talk about. All those things were, you know, seemed sort of normal to me. And were expectations very early on and, you know, have really carried me through important points in my career. It's, it's funny. I'm sitting here shaking my head. Yes, I was a Marine and that forced me to get up and work out early every day. I've continued that into my professional life because to me, getting that morning workout in is what it's, it's kind of like my fuel for the rest of the day. I know the days that I don't have that. And, and I love what you just talked about there as being a parent and, and what your kids hear you say, what they see you do and all of that. You know, I'm fortunate to get to uh, work from home quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's my company. I work from wherever I want. But when I work from home, my little boy who's five gets to watch me work and gets to ask me questions about that. And he sees the the work that I'm putting in. And it's just, it's something I, I had a good mentor of mine uh, when I was doing a career transition a few years ago. He asked me one of the best questions that anyone ever asked me. He said, Jim, what what is the work that you want Nolan to see you do? And I had, I truly had never thought about it until he said that. But now everything that I do, I just, I go back to that notion and say, no one's going to see you do this. What do you think about doing this? Is it worth it? Do you want him to see? And it's just amazing how we can have that influence on, on, on our, on our kids. So appreciate you sharing that. It's um, so funny story. We had to let someone go on Monday of this week and it's somebody that I really, I can remember the interview. I thought this person was going to be super successful and it just, it didn't work out for a number of reasons. And I got home that night and my son said to me, mom, how was work? And I said, you know, buddy, I've been feeling a little bit sad. We had to part ways with someone today. And that's always a little bit hard for me. And he said, tell me all about it. What'd you say? What happened? What could they have done differently? What do you think, what do you think is the next job they'll get? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really starting to sink in with him. And so it's fascinating. The other thing that I feel about talking about work with our kids is I try to make it a positive and real. I never want my kids to think that I leave them every day to go to work someplace where I, I don't feel valued or I'm not doing something meaningful. And so the tone that I take in talking about my work, I'm also very conscious of sort of not complaining or making it seem like a drag. So now they think I come to work to play pool and cornhole and (laughs) eat snacks um, and drink soda. 
So I'm not sure how I'm doing in that department. <laughs> That's what they do when they <laughs> That's come fantastic. here. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, because they come for the for the days of fun. They don't get to see uh, all the work. But, um, Kara, I, I know one of the things that I feel like makes you special is this, um, and I, I mentioned it earlier, your willingness to invest in the person, in, into the human. In today's world, I don't, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are willing to do that, especially in the corporate environment. How do you break through to, to, to the people that you bring on and to the companies that you uh, partner with? How do, how do you do that? Oh, that's so interesting. I think I have a different point of view than you in terms of companies being willing to invest in people. I mean, I, I do think that I was, I really benefited from the, the training and the exposure that I got at Oracle, especially as a manager. Wow. The way they invest internally in people that have been promoted um, and the skills that you need to develop to be a, a strong manager was really impressive. But the companies that I've worked at since, I think have also been very willing to spend time with people and to invest in them. I think a lot of it comes down to building trust and building relationships that go beyond just kind of working next to each other, really getting to know people. I, um, I've had my, my full recruiting and people ops team to my house to spend time together. I want them to see my family, where I live, how I live, what I'm like. I always did offsites as a sales leader. I think getting that time together, yes, to talk about the business, but also to get to know each other um, brings sort of vulnerability and honesty into the group. Because when you're working in a high growth environment, change is inevitable. There are going to be pivots. There are going to be mistakes. Um, I learned a lot of this from my time at Rapid7 and the incredible leadership team that I was exposed to. But you have to be able to work, to work through that together. And I think the, um, the working through that is a real skill. And it comes down to really being in the trenches together and having taken the time to get to know each other as people and the families and, and all the other people that are important to your employees. I would say it's that as much as anything else. You know, I just had uh, Amy Appleyard on the show and she talked oh, about the notion great. of... Yeah, she is. Uh, she talked about this notion of uh, co the, the difference between cooperating and collaborating, and where a lot of people in in business and specifically uh, in sales, they will cooperate with their fellow teammates, but it's rare that they will actually collaborate. And she really went into depth with that. But I feel like this notion of building trust and relationships beyond just that as a coworker is a, uh, on a on a similar note. You mentioned, uh, Kara, vulnerability, and I'm hearing that a lot in today's world. It seems like it's becoming a big uh, theme, but what does it actually mean to you and how do you get uh, today's, uh, uh, you started to allude to it, again, trust and, and, uh, and relations, but how do you get people to be real? A lot of it depends on how you set expectations, either in your first team meeting, if you're taking over a team or with people as they come in the door and just talking about the core values of the organization. At, at Turbonomic, it's transparency, performance, and trust. So we say, you know, coming in to candidates, this is what's important to us. And being honest about, you know, you might not be comfortable in an environment that's transparent or in an environment where performance is heavily emphasized and inspected. And, and that's okay. That just means, right, this isn't a fit. And I think being honest, I've, had, I've gotten this feedback via direct feedback from candidates, via Glassdoor via exit interviews where people have said, you were really upfront from day one 
And it helped me be more successful and know what was going to be expected of me at the company. I think it's a leadership style. I think you have to create an environment where you don't expect people to know everything and it's okay to ask for help. And once you do that, people are more inclined to be honest and real about where they're struggling and, and where they need help. One of the things in a conversation we've had previously, you talked about this notion of asking for help, but then knowing what to do once you once you get that help uh, is is also key to that. Take me back to those those leadership uh, uh, trainings at Oracle and and the keys that you were given. Like, what were some of those things that really allowed you to excel or, or helped you excel in your uh, sales career? Well, some of it was just being honest about what I didn't know. There are two things I did as a sales rep that I think made a huge difference. One was I buddied up with my customers, the ones that I knew sort of had time to chat and would take the time to explain things that maybe I didn't understand. So I would go to a sales training and I would come out of it. And I remember there was one, his name was Eugene and he was in Oregon. And I would call Eugene and I'd say, okay, this is what we talked about at training. How does this sound to you as a potential consumer or somebody that gets a million sales calls? How do I sound? What's this, what is this pitch like? What questions do you have? And he would be really honest with me. And at, you know, at some points he'd say, that's great. That's really interesting. I would definitely want to learn more. Or he would say, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I loved that. And then the other thing was it always had a sales engineer or a sales consultant that I could ask any question to and I wouldn't feel stupid. I can remember when Oracle first came out with um, real application clusters, Rack. I just didn't get it. And I had this SC, Greg, he grabbed a chair and he said, Kara, think about this as the database. And then this is how Rack fits in the database. And I thought, oh, I finally get it. But I wasn't afraid to say, like, I don't understand. And the more I understood the technology, the more confident I got in my selling, which allowed me to ask for the business. I think when you come into technology, you know, for me, it was from a nonprofit international education background. I was like, why are companies spending money on this stuff? You know, there are bigger issues in the world. And the more I understood, oh, it really does help them. They really need to move their data, store their data, test their application, whatever maybe it was, secure their infrastructure. And they're going to spend their money somewhere. So they should, why not spend it with me? I have to be really good at connecting with them, understanding what they're doing, and then walking them through a process where they feel really comfortable and confident that they're making a good decision. And as soon as that all sort of clicked for me, I mean, the sky was the limit. I love so much about that. Uh, for the for the main reason is I can just tell that you were completely genuine and all that. You you truly wanted to learn. You wanted to grow. You wanted to improve yourself. But I think what you're saying, and feel, by all means, feel free to push back on me, but what you're saying could also be used as a good tactic as well. And I'll give an example Uh, I have a very good mentor of mine. She was a 25-year executive at Caterpillar. Uh, She now is a coach to some of the most, um, uh, I'll say, affluent wealth, wealth coaches in the country. And this woman's brilliant, just simply brilliant. And I'll go to lunch with her. And she will tell me about walking into a business and just starting to ask questions like as if she had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, I know you know better. I know you know all the answers to that, but your ability to do that and just get them comfortable with yours, kind of as you said, to buddy up to them, they just start spilling their guts. And people want to help other people if you just actually take an interest in in what they're doing and what they care about. So I think I'll give you a yes and. I think unfortunately, we're in a situation now where customers just get bombarded with sales reps 
asking them questions as if they have a right to be in that conversation. Right. Mm, like, hi, you know, I'm some SDR from such and such company. Do you have five minutes? Did I catch you at a bad time? Do you just want to learn a lot of a little bit about what you're doing for, you know, fill in the blank, security, infrastructure controls, workload management, how's your cloud migration, whatever it might be. And the customer's thinking, you have no right to know anything about what I'm doing. Why would I talk to you? I think the difference with your friend or with an executive that you might bring to a meeting is that there's more that the customer can learn from the experience or the expertise of that person. And that's why it can be so hard for an SDR to get a great call going or to build credibility to a point where someone's going to talk to them. So I think it's important to figure out how to be credible and bring some kind of value to a conversation as you're trying to ask all those questions, because it can sometimes come off as a little bit obnoxious and assumptive. Well, and I'll be clear, I definitely did not mean that that's what you were doing by any stretch, but I loved how you brought that back around to that because I think you're absolutely right. How do how do we teach or how do we grow a young salesperson to be able to have some of that credibility so that they can provide the value and be able to, to leverage that conversation? I think it's two things. I think one is they have to study. You have got to understand what you're selling and you've got to understand sort of why the company was created. What is the big problem we're trying to solve. And you have to believe it. I used to say sales is sort of an exercise in belief. And you've got to believe in what you're selling and you've got to believe you can hit your number. You've got to have a path to get there. So one of it is studying and then learn the references. Get your hands on any story you can about what a sales rep did to be successful with a given account and what the accounts, what the customer's perspective was of that experience. What's the real value What's not the company's message, but what would the customer say? You know, I bought Turbonomic because, I bought Rapid7 because, I bought Oracle because. And if you can't articulate that, you're not going to get a lot of calls. I can totally see how that would be accurate. I want to maybe shift a little bit of gears. You built an amazing career and then you kind of just like switched and and changed entirely. Uh, You've also made many professional moves. You, I think four times from DC to San Francisco to Toronto, and then uh, to Boston where you are now. Where does this openness to everything come from, Kara? I like change. I'm comfortable with it. I'm sort of oriented that way. I also think that to, to build a career, sometimes you have to take risks. I had no intention of leaving San Francisco, but I was offered a chance to turn around a sales team in Toronto. And I negotiated that I would go and do it, but that they would move me back once it was done. Um, I ended up staying and I I didn't take advantage of the the second half of that contract. But I felt like, how else am I going to learn and grow? I was really driven to advance my career faster and learn and challenge myself. And then in terms of my career, I mean, this has been as much a personal decision as anything else. I... I think um, with sales, the quota and the pressure and the relentless pursuit of every quarter was really challenging for me um, with small kids and a husband with a global role that required a lot of travel. And it just made sense at this point to have pressure in a different way to grow and scale a company through a strategic view on our people was super interesting. So it was a way to stay connected to the high growth community, really expand my skill set and see the company from a different vantage point. 
but I wouldn't say I'm done selling yet. I would just say there's some interesting pivots in my story that will make me better at whatever I do in the long run. Well, by no means do I want to see you move away from Turbonomic right now, but I can't wait to see what you do next. Kara, I'm going to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to our sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales tuners, you don't go either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Kara, are you ready for the money round? I think so. There we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Confidence. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Study the technology. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose. Oh my God, I hate to lose. Anyone could tell you that. So painful, but that's where all the learning is. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Good to great. There's just so much classic material in there to learn from. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Kara's suggestion of good to great for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for good to great or any of the other classics from Jim Collins. Kara, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? I was going to say ziplining in Costa Rica with my kids, but we just did that. So I would say something to do with travel, somewhere exotic, getting my family to Asia. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Keep grinding. The hard work will absolutely pay off. Outwork the person next to you. Believe in yourself. Study. Work hard and good things will absolutely happen. You've got to believe in yourself in order for everyone else to believe in you. To build a career, sometimes you have to take risks. No truer words ever been spoken, Kara. What a terrific conversation. If you want to stay in touch with Kara, LinkedIn is always good, but she also said you could email her directly at kara.gilbert at turbonomic.com. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, don't be afraid to work hard. Just like the quote at the beginning said, winners embrace the need to work hard where losers just see it as a punishment. If you want to be great at something, you have to be willing to sacrifice. Just showing up and running through the motions is not going to make you better. Sure, you may have some short-term success, but it's one of those things where in 10 years, you won't have 10 years of experience. You'll have one year of experience 10 times. Number two, it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to know everything. Today's culture seems to be one of needing to memorize answers instead of developing a perpetual curiosity. Don't fall into that trap. Ask your peers how they do things. Invite colleagues who aren't in sales to lunch to understand how they impact the business. Ask your customers what really matters to them and get the notion of I know out of your head and start asking others. Number three, know what your customers say. Once a company has bought your offering, whether from you or someone else on your team, dive in to understand their perspective. Why did they buy any solution? Why did they decide on your product? What are they hoping to solve? 
Don't conflate this with what you do. Find out in their words what was really important to them. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.